Welcome to Stories Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Weldon. Today's story is the conclusion of Soft the First Dog, an original story by Daniel Hines. Today, we'd like to say a special thank you to Alicia and Leela and their family, Berkeley from Fort Hood, Texas and his family, Storm and their family, and Haven and her family. Thank you so much, Haven, Storm, Berkeley, Leela, and Alicia. You are part of what makes it possible for us to continue to produce fun new stories for our listeners. If you would like to support Stories Podcast and receive a thank you in a future episode, please head to patreon.com stories and make a pledge. Then send an email to amanda at storiespodcast.com and let us know who to thank. Our Patreon subscribers also gain access to a special commercial-free feed with all of our past episodes on it, which you can get for pledging as little as $1 a month. The feed works with any podcast player, and you can email us if you need help setting it up. Thanks! Enjoy the episode! Soft, the First Dog, Part 3 Chapter 11, The Hunters Mazzy woke to her stomach grumbling, loud as thunder on the horizon. I never knew I could be so hungry, she thought. So hungry it hurt, like she had a jagged stone stuck way down in her belly. And her hand was wet. Why was her hand wet? She looked down and saw Soft, chewing happily at the fur of her sleeve, eyes playful and wide. Thick rivers of drool flowed from his mouth and rolled over her fingers. Ugh, Soft, she said, trying to pull her hand away. Instead of letting go, Soft pulled back, tail wagging with puppyish delight. This isn't a game, she said, and gave a mighty pull. A piece of her sleeve cuff tore free and she tottered backwards managing three steps before she fell heavily on her backside. Before she could think to be mad, the young wolf was there. He danced around her in eager circles and cocked his head curiously to the side when her stomach gave another loud rumble. I'm hungry, she said with a little laugh. We need something to eat, Soft. We need meat. She tucked her knife back into her coat and picked up the wooden spear she had fashioned the day before. Calling it a spear may be generous, she thought. The wood was brittle and the tip crude, but she'd only had her small knife to work with and it was her first try. Much like starting a fire with the stones, she had watched others countless times but never tried it herself. Her mother made spears so straight and sharp they could fly a hundred paces and still get through a mammoth's fur. I wish I had asked her how she did it, thought Mazzy, as she followed soft downwards. The wolf was eagerly padding towards the exit they had found the night before. I wish I had asked so much, she thought. I wish I had learned so much. She had always assumed her parents would always be there to take care of her. She could ask later, learn later. Well, now later was here, and she was on her own. She realized that she very literally held her life in her own two hands, and she desperately wished they had more experience. Mazzy emerged from the crumbling stone and dirt cave mouth to find herself at the high end of a long, sloping valley. Here and there were small patches of frosty trees, their green needles peeking out in patches. Elsewhere there was nothing but frozen turf for as far as she could see. There was no sign of her tribe, but she at least knew they were on the right track, thanks to Soft's nose. The young wolf was already ranging ahead, nose low and sniffing. He paused to lift his leg against a tuft of weedy moss and then eyed a passing bird, licking his chops. Mazzy felt her own hunger flare in sympathy. All right, boy, we need meat today. We need to follow the trail, but we need to eat, too, she said. She was hungry, but more than that, 
She was afraid of how the young wolf would act if he got hungry. They had been getting along better than she ever could have hoped, but in the end, he was still a wolf. So, they needed food. They set out across the plains. Soft kept a dozen or so paces in front, nose down. The laughers usually only came out at night, so Mazzy felt relatively safe, but she still kept her eyes open and felt her heart leap with every slight sound carried on the wind. The day passed in quiet thought, marked only by the scuff of each step, the sun's sullen turn, and the ever-growing hunger in the pit of Mazzy's stomach. There has to be something out there, she thought, eyes constantly scanning the distance for any sign of food. So intently was she watching the horizon that she nearly screamed in surprise when her foot came down in a drift of snow and a fat, snowy hair shot out from under her heel. Mazzy watched it in dull, open-mouthed surprise for a moment and then shook her head and shouted, Soft! The young wolf turned at the sound of his name just as the hare took a hard right turn and darted away. Soft was after it in a flash, paws churning up snow and lips peeling back in a white-fanged grin. Feeling the wolf drawing closer, the hare cut sharply and veered towards a nearby patch of old spruce, dense with undergrowth. If it gets in there, we'll never find it again, Mazzy thought. Soft had turned to chase the hare, but his gangling legs stumbled when he tried to take the sharp cut. He recovered quickly, but he wouldn't be in time. It's up to me, Mazzy realized. She hefted her crude spear, doing her best to mimic her father. The hare was getting close to the trees. She had to throw now or never. With a grunt, she hurled the spear. It wobbled through the air and planted itself in the snow, ten feet in front of the fleeing hare. No! Mazzy cried, belly rumbling. But then, the hare stopped short, startled by the spear. It froze for a bare second, but that was all Soft needed. With a final lunge, his jaws snapped shut around the prize. Soft! Yes! The young wolf shook the hare once and then dropped it to the ground. By the time Mazzy reached him, he was already eating. She approached slowly, unsure how Soft would behave. Good boy, she said, edging closer. Good Soft. You got the meat. Can I have some meat, Soft? Soft looked up at her, cocked his head, and then bent back to the hare. Mazzy thought she was going to have to go hungry after all, but Soft just pulled off a choice bone and patted away, leaving the rest for her. Not willing to try eating it raw, she wrapped it in grass and hung it from the end of her spear. She looked around for Soft and saw he was already ranging forward again, nose low. She followed, thinking about how she could eat. I need a fire, she realized. I need a fire tonight, no matter what. With that in mind, she stopped to collect a pocketful of dry, papery bark while they were passing through a small patch of trees. It wasn't as good as the fungus she had found in the cave, but she had left that behind days ago. When she turned back to the trail, Soft was gone. Soft? Soft? Where'd you go, boy? She started forward slowly, shaking with fear. Soft! The young wolf barked from somewhere off to the side where the trees were thickest. Mazzy turned and walked towards the sound. Come on, boy! She found herself in a small clearing. It was walled by frosty trees and an upthrust of craggy rock. Looking down, she spied Soft's paw prints. She tracked them across the clearing to the rock, where they ended abruptly. Soft? she asked and nearly jumped out of her skin when he barked a few feet above her head. What are you doing up there? 
She shouldered her spear and climbed the rock. At the top, Soft led her over and down the other side, where a cave mouth was hidden by the tightly packed trees. Soft slipped inside and Mazzy went after him, though the ceiling was so low she had to stoop and an adult would have had to crawl. After a dozen steps or so, the cave opened up into a space as big as Mazzy's hut in the village. The last of the day's light slipped in from a smoke-stained crack high above and slanted across the room to land on a wall covered with dusty red handprints. In the center, her father's three-fingered glory. They were here, Mazzy thought, tears of happiness springing to her eyes. She crossed to the wall and held her hands up, one against her father's print, one against her mother's. For a moment, she imagined she could still feel the warmth of their hands. They were here! she shouted, laughing. We're still on the right trail, Soft! The wolf wagged his tail happily as Mazzy pulled out her pouch and left her own print beside her parents. She wondered who in the tribe had known about the cave. She guessed it was her father, who was a famous wanderer in his younger days, or maybe one of the scouts who ranged far afield looking for herds of game. Either way, she was grateful. She had been terrified that nighttime would find them still on the plains, nothing to keep them safe from the laughers but her little spear and soft's teeth. What did you find, boy? The young wolf was sniffing eagerly at a corner of the little cave. Mazzy walked over and saw the remains of a fire, a few charred sticks leaning into a heaping pile of ash. She laid her hands on the top of the pile. It was cold. Moving carefully, she pushed her hand into the ashes. Still warm! she said happily, scratching soft behind the ears. Still warm, we're getting close. I bet we catch up tomorrow or the next day. What do you think? Soft barked and wagged his tail. Mazzy's stomach rumbled again. She had forgotten her hunger and the excitement of finding the cave, but now it all came back, stampeding like an angry mammoth. She looked at the remaining hair. She knew that eating a raw animal was fine for wolves, but it would make a person sick. She needed fire. Her first thought was to dig in the ashes, hoping to find a burning ember, but there was nothing. It would have to be the firestones. She crawled back out of the cave and got an armload of sticks, dumping them by the remains of the fire. She added her pocketful of papery bark to the pile and pulled the two firestones from another pocket. She set to preparing for a fire. This, at least, was something she had done many times. Her mother had taught her a little story to help, and she told it now to Soft to help herself remember. Okay, boy, first thing you do is lay down the baby, she said, shredding the papery bark into tiny pieces and making a little pile. The brothers and sisters protect the baby, she said. Around the bark, she placed the smallest of her sticks. The parents protect all the kids, she added bigger sticks just outside the small ones. And finally, the house protects them all. She stacked her biggest sticks in a box around the rest. Now all we need are some sparks, Mazzy said more confident than she felt. Hands shaky, she took a fire stone in either fist and then brought them together. They gave a sharp clack, but nothing more. She knew she had to hit them harder, but she was worried about crushing her finger again. Just a few little sparks. She hit hard at an angle like she had seen her mother do countless times. A single spark leapt into the air, but it was dark before it hit the ground. Just give me sparks! She struck again with all her strength. A cloud of sparks bloomed from the stones, but then her hand slipped and she drove the stone painfully into her own knee. This isn't fair! She screamed and threw the stones into her carefully constructed fire. 
Her arms swept savagely to the side and scattered the wood everywhere. She picked up a stick she found particularly offensive and threw it out of the cave with all of her strength. Huffing mad with nothing left to destroy, she dropped her head into her hands and began to cry. (sighs) It's just not fair. Mazzy knew what her father would say if he could see her. He'd say that life wasn't fair, that you had to try and try again every day to make it through. He would say that crying doesn't help anything, and he'd be right. But he'd also be wrong. Mazzy agreed with all the logic, but she felt entitled to a little crying all the same. She missed her family. She missed her tribe. She missed her life. Something wet and heavy dropped into her lap. Blinking through the tears, she saw it was the stick she threw. Looking up, she came nose to nose with Soft. He was standing next to her, a wide, puppyish grin on his face. No, I don't want you to fetch it, Soft, she said, and threw the stick back out of the cave. Soft immediately leapt after it. He came back in a flurry of paws, stick held proudly in his jaw. She couldn't help but laugh. For a moment, she laughed through her tears, and then slowly both faded, like waves rolling back from the shore, leaving only a little smile behind. Thanks, Soft, she whispered, taking back the stick and carefully rebuilding her fire. Now strangely calm, hands steady, she once again picked up the stones. Now, Soft, what we need are some sparks. Sometime later, full-bellied and snuggled together, the girl and the wolf drifted off to sleep, the orange glow of their fire dancing across their furs. Chapter 12 The Hunted Soft left the girl to sleep by her fire. Fire. It was another new word for soft. Fires were like the big burn in the woods, but made by humans with their clever paws. Like all wolves, Soft had a healthy fear of fire, but he trusted the girl. Somewhere deep in the landscape of his mind, a river had been rerouted. The girl was pack now, was family. She had proved that today when she had found the hare and helped with the hunt, and again when she had warmed their little cave with the fire. She was brave and clever and shared with the pack, the three things that wolves valued above all else. Soft padded over to the little tunnel that was the cave mouth. There were three sticks leaning against the wall there. The girl had taken them the night before, wrapped one end of each in some kind of plant, and then soaked them with the dripping fat of the cooking hair. He thought about eating one and even went as far as to take an experimental bite, but it tasted too much like leaves. A scent in the air. Sour fur and rotting meat. A cruncher. He leaned into the tunnel and sniffed again, nose swaying slightly back and forth. Definitely a cruncher, and it was close. Two more sniffs. It was very, very close. Soft laid down at the mouth of the tunnel and kept as still as he could. There was a scuffle and a grumble, and then the young wolf found himself face to face with a cruncher. Its eyes gleamed with terrible anger. Its teeth were yellowed and sharp as knives. Soft gave a bark of alarm and the cruncher gave a wild, stuttering howl in response. It echoed through the cave and Soft heard the girl getting to her feet behind him. The cruncher pushed into the cave. Soft cringed backwards, and the cruncher's jaws snapped shut an inch from his nose. The beast was stuck at the narrowest part of the tunnel, struggling madly to fit through. From behind him, the girl thrust with the long claw of her spear. It glanced off the cruncher's shoulder, leaving a shallow scrape. With a roar of pain, the beast turned and bit the spear. It snapped clean in half, sending the girl stumbling away with a scream. 
Suddenly, Soft realized he'd smelled this cruncher before. It was the same one who had been attacking the girl when they first met. Looking closer, the wolf could see the jagged red line the girl's claw had left across the cruncher's face. And now it was back. Whether it was hunger, cruelty, or revenge, Soft couldn't have said. All he knew is that he was cornered, and someone was threatening his pack. And no one threatened the pack. Soft felt anger flow over him like a mountain stream, icy cold and relentless. His mind was filled with one thought, protect the pack. It didn't matter how. Tooth to tooth, claw to claw, he could already taste the cruncher's sour fur in his mouth. The young wolf's lips peeled back, exposing slick white fangs. His growl was a waterfall, was a mammoth's bellow, was thunder rolling full-throated up the valley and shaking all the trees. The cruncher took a step back. Then the girl was there, burning branch in her hand. Soft felt the heat as it passed over his head and then it slammed into the cruncher's face, sending its mottled yellow-brown fur ablaze. With a roar, the cruncher backed out of the cave. It shook its head frantically back and forth, but that only fanned the flames. Finally, it dropped and rolled, whimpering in the dirt. The flames went out at last, leaving singed black fur and an ugly burn across the cruncher's short snout. It looked back into the cave. Soft growled and the girl brandished the burning branch. The fire reflected back in the dark and glassy hate of the cruncher's eyes. After a long moment, the cruncher turned and ran off into the forest. Ignoring the girl's calls, Soft crawled out of the cave. After making sure the cruncher was gone, he sniffed in his searching circles. It took him a bit to puzzle out the different scents, but finally it became clear. The cruncher's were hunting the human pack. They were still ahead. But the cruncher with the scarred face? That one wasn't hunting the human pack. It was hunting them. Chapter 13. The Storm Mazzy walked just a few steps behind Soft. One hand laid lightly on the young wolf's back for reassurance. Who was reassuring who, Mazzy couldn't have said. But Soft didn't seem to mind it. Neither of them had even tried to go back to sleep after last night's attack. Mazzy had built the fire up until it was so hot she'd taken off her coat. Soft prowled back and forth by the entrance restlessly. They left the cave at first light, Soft once again following the scent trail east. The night before, Mazzy had made three torches. This was again something she had only done once before. As she floundered through, she wished a hundred times that she had bothered to ask her mother the trick of it. In the end, her torches were sloppy, but functional. Each was a stick of green wood split in half at one end. In that split, Mazzy had packed bark and moss and other tinder and soaked it all in fat from the cooking hair. She held one as they made their way across the plains in front of them. In the distance were a few small mountains. Big hills, really. Otherwise, the landscape was relatively flat and empty, with only little ridges and upthrusts of earth, camouflaged by the perpetual cover of ice and snow frozen into a thick crust. Even though it was daytime, Mazzy had lit the torch she carried. The sky overhead was nothing but a single, unbroken cloud of dark granite gray. On the horizon... Mazzy twice saw flashes of lightning and what might have been rain. So, to keep away the gloom, she had lit her torch. It burned with a faint light and a pitiful wisp of black smoke, but she knew it would blaze up brightly if she waved it to waken the flames. 
It crackled and popped loudly near her ear, but it was a welcome distraction from the monotonous crunch-crunch of her boots in the snow. By noon, her stomach was grumbling again, and there was still no sign of the sun. She ate the last of her fire-roasted hair, throwing soft the leg, bones and all. The young wolf ate it in three bites, tail wagging happily. Looks like rain, boy, she said, scratching behind one fuzzy ear. The young wolf turned and licked the grease from her fingers before returning to the trail. True to her prediction, the rain started an hour later. At first it came down in soft pit-pats like the flutter of a butterfly. That wasn't long to last. Mazzy followed soft up and over one of the small mountains that had seemed so distant just a short time ago. As they went, there was a deafening boom of thunder, and the skies opened up, dumping water in sheets that soaked them both to the bone in seconds. Wiping water from her eyes, Mazzy crested the top of the rock. The way up had been a gradual slope. The other side was steep. Soft was already picking his way down, nose pressed to the wet, rocky dirt. Would the rain wash the trail away? She hoped not, but she had no idea. Mazzy froze. Could it be? Could it really be? Another long stretch of plains spread out below her. It looked much the same as it had the last few days, with one notable exception. There, in the distance, were the people of her village. She couldn't see their faces, not yet, but she could see the cone-shaped tents of mammoth hide the hunters used for traveling. Could it be another tribe? No. There. She could see the bright white square of snow bear fur that Wurgo had used to patch his tent. It was her tribe! They were inside because of the rain, but she thought she could make out a figure working to keep alive a smoky little fire. They were so close, she could be there by dark if she hurried. Heart feeling hopeful, Mazzy headed towards her tribe. Soft! I can see them! Come on, boy! Come with me! She hurried down the side of the mountain. Soft cocked his head curiously and then came bounding after her. Home! 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 I'm finally going home! Her boot came down on a rock that spun under her heel. Her other foot skid wetly in the mud, and then she was falling, head over heels, faster and faster. Somewhere she heard soft barking. Her head crashed through a dead bush, sticks scraping her face. Her shoulder rolled hard over a jagged stone, and she felt warm blood creeping down her arm as she tumbled. She reached out for something to grab, anything to stop her fall, but her hands smacked painfully against ice and stone, finding no purchase. Suddenly she was weightless, falling through the air, stone and dirt all around her. The earth has swallowed me up, she thought, so brain-addled that she didn't even feel it when she finally hit the ground, far, far below. Chapter 14. The Wet The girl is gone! The girl is gone! Soft hurried down the mountain after her, managing much better on four paws than the girl had on two. He spotted one of her boots and picked it up in his mouth. Her foot would be cold without it, he knew. When he finally got to the place where she had disappeared, he saw why immediately. She had fallen down a hole, a natural chimney in the stone. And there she lay, still and sprawled, down so deep that Soft could barely make her out in the darkness. The room she was in seemed larger than the hole itself, so it probably opened into a cave, but he couldn't tell for sure. He whined and paced back and forth. There was no way for him to get down there without falling himself, and even if he could, they would never be able to climb back up again. But 
If it was a cave, there was probably more than one way in. He just had to find it. Nose to the air, Soft stopped to smell out a trail. Instead, he felt the wet wash over him. It was cold and heavy and buried all the other scents under the soft gray smell of water and dust. It was difficult, like being suddenly blind or deaf, but Soft couldn't afford to wait for the rain to stop. So, placing every paw careful and quiet as a mouse, he searched with his eyes and ears as he eased down the mountain. Luckily, he heard them before he saw them. There was no mistaking that stuttering howl. Crunchers, just ahead. By the sound of it, there was a lot of them. Belly low to the ground, the young wolf creeped down the side of the mountain. He moved peaceful as snowfall on a clear and windless night, so silent that he was able to come within a leap of the cave without being noticed. The cave mouth was huge, big enough even for a mammoth to enter. Inside, the cruncher pack slept in small piles of reeking fur. All around them were cracked bones and chewed bones and splinters of bone in every shape and size. Only one of the crunchers had been woken up by the girl's fall, it seemed. The beast was up and stretching, looking with casual interest towards the back of the cave. It sniffed at the dank air, flat black nostrils flaring. It's going to find the girl, Soft realized. And the girl was hurt, helpless, maybe worse. Soft couldn't let that thing find her. He had to stop it. But what could he do? Dropping the girl's boot and drawing a deep breath, Soft gave a long, thundering, Oh, oh, oh! The entire cave full of crunchers woke up with a start. Five, ten more. In one motion, they rose to their paws and turned their eyes to the young wolf. This is bad, thought Soft. He turned and ran, pausing only to pick up the girl's boot. A dozen snarling crunchers leapt to chase after him. Was it all of them? Was the girl safe? Soft could only hope. He dug his nails into the frozen turf and hurtled himself down the mountain one giant bound at a time. His body bunched and stretched in perfect harmony. His mind was running too. He knew the crunchers would go back to the cave eventually. He needed to find a way to stop them. A cruncher leaned in and snapped at him, so close it came away with a mouthful of fur. Panicked, Soft ran even faster, flying down the mountain now, fur blowing back and a loose spray of snow and dirt and pebbles raining down in his wake. The crunchers were slower, but only just, and they gained on him with every stumble and turn. The rain went from a torrent to a mere downpour, and then the air was thick with the smell of them, hot and sour and spoiled. The wet soon had Soft's fur heavy and soaked, but he didn't dare to stop and shake it out. On and on he ran, waiting for a break that never came. For the first time in his life, the young wolf felt what it meant to be prey, what it meant to be hunted. His heart pumped hard with fear. It pulsed in his ears and dried out his mouth. Fear settled in the young wolf in a way it never had before. Half his mind was howling at him to turn and fight. The other half wanted him to keep running and never stop. It was too much. He needed a way to end this where he wasn't dinner. There, what was that in the distance? It wasn't the pack, that would have been too much to hope for, but it was something. Humans, Soft realized. He did his best to sniff as he ran. It was the girl's tribe. He had smelled it all over her and here it was again. But what would they do when they saw a young wolf being chased by a pack of crunchers? Soft had no idea, but he couldn't think of anything better to try. 
so he veered and ran directly towards the human tents. Behind him, the crunchers howled wildly. One, faster than the rest, was gaining on the young wolf. It was barely a tail length behind him now and getting closer every stride. Ahead, the humans poured from their tents like hornets from a hive. A few had bundles of spears and were passing them out. The humans called loudly back and forth. What would they do? Soft plunged on, tired and desperate. One man, larger than the rest with half his paw missing, hefted a spear and aimed right at Soft. The young wolf stumbled and felt the hot breath of the cruncher on his legs, heard the wet slap of its paws in the dirty snow. The human threw the spear. It flashed through the air like an arrow, heading straight for Soft. No! Soft cried out in his mind. Soft is a friend, can't you see? The spear didn't care. Onward it came, the brilliant colors of the setting sun glinting off the shaped stone spearhead. He closed his eyes and kept on running, waiting for either the spear or the cruncher to finish him. The next thing Soft felt was the wind of the spear as it flew over his head. A moment later, he heard the cruncher yelp and then tumble to the ground with a great, snowy spray. He opened his eyes. The humans were all throwing spears now, throwing them over Soft and into the pack of crunchers. The beasts had been so intent on catching Soft that the attack had taken them completely by surprise. They melted under the withering hail of spears, each one tumbling to the ground mid-stride as the humans threw again and again. By the time Soft made it into the circle of human tents, only two crunchers remained standing, and those were limping off to the south. Wolf. Soft looked up. It was the giant human with the injured paw. He was holding a gnarled club made from the taproot of some tree. It was simple wood, but it looked deadly as a cruncher's teeth in his big, clever paws. What do you have? Words Soft didn't know. There wasn't time for this. Soft dropped the boot at his feet and then took a few steps away and barked. The big human reached down and picked it up, turning it over slowly in his injured paw. A few humans were chasing down the last of the crunchers, but the rest gathered behind the big one. They were talking to each other, but Soft couldn't make out the words. This, this is Mazzy's boot. Mazzy, the girl had said that word plenty. Soft barked and wagged his tail. Are you sure? It was a woman. The big man handed her the boot, and the woman began to cry. Many of the humans were crying, Soft realized. He barked, ran a few steps away, and then barked again. Thraz, I think he wants us to follow him. I think you're right. The big man took a few steps forward. Soft wagged his tail and began to walk away. He looked over his shoulder and some of the humans were following him. Would it be enough? Hoping for the best but fearing the worst, Soft ran back to his girl. Chapter 15. The Bones Mazzy groaned herself awake. She was pretty sure every inch of her body was as bruised and mashed as an old piece of fruit. On second thought, her left toe seemed okay. Truth be told, that wasn't much consolation. Where did I land? It came out as a croak, her throat dry and coarse as tree bark. Part of her brain still felt like it was falling, like the world was blurring around the edges. Blinking weakly, she could see a circle of sky. It was just dark enough for the first of the stars to be peeking out. They seemed a long way away. 
Mazzy reached for them, wincing at the needle of pain that shot through her body. What if I've broken something? She thought. Well, only one way to find out. Grunting with pain, Mazzy first sat and then stood up. She leaned one way and then the other. Her hands fluttered like nervous birds, landing here and there on her body, prodding gently. A body full of bruises and a bump on the back of the head. But that seemed to be the worst of it. Lucky, she thought, and then snorted a laugh. Her gear hadn't fared as well. Her lit torch and spear were gone, dropped in the fall. Of the other two torches, only one still had enough fuel to burn. She patted inside her coat and found the firestones and her small knife. Every motion made her ache all over, but she was afraid if she stopped, she wouldn't be able to get going again. All around her, there was nothing but darkness, thick and heavy as a sleeping fur. Above, the circle of light was far too high for her to reach. Still, she tried jumping, but her fingertips could barely brush the dirt ceiling. Worse, she landed on something that cracked with a dry and brittle crack that sounded suspiciously like old bones. All right, she couldn't get out. She would have to go through the darkness and hope to find a way out. Her heart hammered in her chest. She could feel the weight of all that dirt and rock hanging over her. She could feel the darkness swelling in on her. Fire. Fire first, she said, and laid her last torch on the ground. She took a fire stone in each hand, preparing to strike them together. She stopped short when she heard the growl. It sounded like the grinding roar of stone sliding over stone, so deep that Mazzy felt it in her chest. It was slower than usual, angrier, but there was no mistaking it. It was the stuttering howl of a laugher. In the darkness, lit only by a circle of stars far, far overhead, Mazzy dropped to one knee. She struck the firestones together wildly, the scraping sound playing harsh counterpoint to the laugher's slowly approaching growl. Sparks leapt out with every strike, but they skittered wildly and didn't land on the fat-soaked torch. Mazzy could see the laugher's eyes now. They shone like two sinister moons in the black night of the cave, promising wrath and ruin. Shaking, Mazzy struck the stones together again. The sparks died in the air. Come on, come on! She whispered to herself, sweat dripping from her brow and cutting paths through the dirt on her face. The eyes came closer, swaying slightly with every step. They looked mean. They looked hungry. Mazzy knew that fire was her only chance, even if it was a slim one. She took a deep breath and thought of her father, absently picking at his scar, face lost in quiet reflection. She thought of her mother, singing a wordless song as her slender fingers put the final point on a spearhead. She thought of all her friends and family, everyone she had ever known, waiting for her in the valley below. She thought of Soft, and she smiled slowly. What we need are some sparks. She slammed the stones together and the sparks showered the torch. It sputtered to fitful life and Mazzy lifted it gently in both hands, pointing it at the laugher. The beast gave a howl of rage and took a step backwards, eyes squinting against the newly woken flame. In the light of the fire, Mazzy saw the cave clearly for the first time. It was a rough circle, a single passage leading out. Bones littered the ground. There were great mammoth bones and tiny rabbit bones and bones of every size in between. They were cracked and gnawed and splintered, in places piled knee-deep. Bad as that was, the laugher's face was worse. 
It was marked by an angry red slash and a poorly healed burn across the nose. It was the same laugher, Nazi realized. It was hunting her. The thought made her blood run cold, tears standing in the corners of her eyes. The laugher growled through yellow fangs. Stay back, she shouted, waving the torch at the beast. The flames sputtered and crackled and smoked a thick, oily black. The laugher didn't listen. It prowled forward, snapping at the torch with its crushing jaws. Mazzy edged backwards, a step at a time, bones crunching under her feet with every step. All too soon, she felt the cool stone of the cave wall at her back. Leave me alone, she said, swinging the torch at the laugher's face. It pushed through the flame and slammed into Mazzy, sending her flying to one side. The torch rolled across the room, casting a spray of shifting shadows. Mazzy watched helplessly as the laugher stalked towards her. The torch was behind it now, so all she could see was a black shadow approaching. It stank of rotting meat and sour fur. Its eyes gleamed in the darkness. Then Mazzy saw the beast spin away from her with a roar. It leapt, not at Mazzy, but at the torch. But the torch was already moving. Soft! Soft, you came back! The young wolf padded over to her and dropped the torch at her feet, wagging his tail and licking her from chin to hair. She threw her arms around him and whispered into his fur, Love you too, boy. The laugher roared, stinking spit flying from its monstrous teeth. They broke apart. Mazzy held the torch out in front of her, not that it had done her much good earlier, but it was better than nothing. With her other hand, she groped for something, anything to use as a weapon. Her hand closed around a long spear of bone, sharply broken on one end and rounded on the other. She picked it up with an angry grunt. Soft was circling away, snapping at the laugher's tail. The beast couldn't decide which was a bigger threat, the girl or the wolf. It turned back and forth, snapping at them both. Soft darted around it, dodging gracefully. Mazzy wasn't quite as good. The laugher's teeth caught her forearm, punching through coat and shirt and skin and sending the torch skittering away. Mazzy shook her arm free and fell back against the cave wall. The laugher reared back to bite, teeth shining in the flickering light of the torch. That's when Soft leapt in, fangs bared. Before the beast could think to turn, the young wolf lunged forward and tore the hamstring from its leg. The laugher howled and staggered forwards towards Mazzy. Screaming with fear and rage and pure instinct, she pushed off the wall, thrusting forward with both hands. Like rain, like snow, like thunder splitting a twilight sky, the spear of bone drove deep into the heart of the beast. Its weight crashed down on Mazzy, driving the wind from her lungs and leaving her gasping. She twisted and flailed but couldn't get free. In the distance, she could hear soft barking. Then, sweeter than any song she'd ever heard, the sound of human voices shouting, Mazzy, Mazzy, in reply. Here, she screamed. I'm here. The laugher's yellow fangs hung inches from her eyes, drool oozing towards her face. Then it was gone, rising up and away, and she was being lifted by a pair of strong arms still wet from the rain. One hand held her weight. The other wiped the dust from her brow. It had, she noticed, only three fingers. Easy, child, said her father, rubbing his forehead into hers. It's dead. It's over. Everything will be okay. And as Soft licked gently at her hand, she smiled, knowing he was right. Chapter 16. The New Pack 
soft, crept through the amber waves of grass, parting them silent and smooth as a fish in the water. Ahead, he could smell that great shaggy prey. It wasn't as big as a mammoth, but it was much bigger than a deer, and much slower, too. Mazzy called it a bison. Soft still didn't understand the human's need to name everything, but he'd learned to appreciate it. There, through the grass, the bison. It was alone, weak and left behind by the herd. Still, the horns were a danger, the shiny hard paws, too. He looked to his side. There was Thraz three-fingered, worming forward on his belly, a bundle of spears strapped to his back. He was fearless in the hunt, and a good pack leader, too. Soft and all the other wolves in his pack had come to respect the human. Soft turned the other way, and there was Mazzy. She was crawling forward on her belly, clutching a spear in one hand. She met his eye and gave him a wide smile. At first, smiles had seemed aggressive to the young wolf. After all, why show your teeth if you're not going to use them? But through the long months of traveling the Sunrise Road together, the wolves were beginning to learn the strange ways of the humans. To them, a smile meant happy. Soft guessed that made sense. After all, they had no tails to wag. Thraz whistled a high, sharp note. The signal! Soft darted forward, barking and howling. The bison turned and ran the other way, but another wolf was there, barking and snapping. Mazzy rose and threw her spear. Thraz did the same a second later, and as fast as that, it was over. Soft claimed a meaty bone and then found Mazzy. Together, they walked back towards the village. She scratched behind his ears as they went, and he nipped playfully at her fingers. They claimed their usual spot by the fire. Mazzy nestled against her mother, and Soft nestled against Mazzy. When the young wolf had first told his pack everything that had happened, they hadn't believed him. Still, they came with him to the village and met Mazzy and Thraz. The humans had shared their meat, and day by day, the wolves began to trust. Before long, most had followed Soft and moved into the village. Some wolves chose not to leave, to remain wild and alone in the world. They had said that humans couldn't be trusted, that relying on them would only make wolves weak. But Soft knew they were wrong. He was stronger because of Mazzy. With her, he had hunted hares, tracked tribes, and beaten beasts. They had gone into the savage wilds as human and wolf, but they had come out as friends. True, it hadn't been easy. But to Soft, if ever there was a friendship worth fighting for, it was the one between wolves and their people. The End Today's story, The Conclusion of Soft the First Dog, was an original story by Daniel Hines, performed by me, Amanda Weldon. If you would like to support Stories Podcast and receive a thank you in a future episode, please head to patreon.com slash stories and make a pledge. Then send an email to amanda at storiespodcast.com and let us know who to thank. Thanks for listening!